Well, if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Two Corinthians chapter eight, and I will simply read verse nine, and then we'll pray. Two Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. The word of God says, "For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich." Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Let us pray together and ask the Lord for his help before we dig into the substance of this verse. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful and grateful for this gathering of saints for this gathering of your people, we are privileged, Lord, that we can be, Lord, in this place, worship you, hear the testimony of one who came to Christ. And we're grateful, Father, that we're able to sing, use our voices to sing hymns, and to also hear your word. And Father, I do pray that you would help me as I disseminate your word to your people. I ask that you would please help me to do that in a way that honors Christ. Help me to do that in that with the help of the Holy Spirit. I do ask for your people as well as they uh, sit before me. I do pray you will give them attentive ears. Father, I ask that you would guard them from distraction. Father, we do pray that tonight all of us will get a glimpse of the glory of Christ. May we behold the Son of God tonight. Anybody here today who is not saved, I do ask, O oh Lord, that you would bring them to salvation, that today they will be taken from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We also pray, Father, for those who are hurting right now. We do ask that you would mend their broken hearts. O oh Lord, we are in desperate need for you. We cannot do anything in and of ourselves. We are not self-sufficient. We desperately need you here in this place tonight. We do pray for our pastor as well. We do pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll be with him as he helps these broken people. Oh, Lord, we are so thankful again that we can gather around your word. And may you please, may we feel your presence here tonight for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. And we do all of these things, Lord, so that your son might be seen as preeminent and supreme in all things. May not man be exalted, but Christ alone tonight, in whose name I pray. Amen. Well, tonight I would like to bring your attention to only one verse in the Bible, and that is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, which I already read. And um, I was not expected to preach the word of God tonight, but this verse was on my heart in the last two days, and I could not really sleep. So I remember waking up at night and began simply reading through it and, and getting a few points from it for my own edification. And so I do hope that this will help you uh, here tonight. And uh, if you're not saved, I do hope that this verse would show you your need for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so why don't we read this verse again? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. The Apostle Paul says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich, might be rich. Now, this is one of those triumphant, victorious gospel texts that you find in the Bible. There are so many. And this is one of those gospel texts, those gospel gem uh, that you and I would be, it would be good for us to memorize. And this verse comes in the context of the Apostle Paul desiring to call upon the Corinthians to give sacrificially to the people who were suffering in Jerusalem. And in order to encourage them, in order to get them to go on to give sacrificially to the poor saints in Jerusalem, he calls upon them to look at the riches of Christ and how in light of his riches, he became poor so that through his poverty, you and I might become rich. And when you and I would behold what took place in the self-humiliating aspect of the Christ, of the life of Christ, this should help us to therefore give sacrificially to the things of God. But more than that, this text really, it should shock us. I was really convicted about this. How many times we hear a, a message about the gospel and it does not shock us anymore. I remember sitting down with a, a student at school and I was asked to simply speak to him. So I thought, well, I'll give him the gospel. So he sat down with me and uh, I began to ask him a few questions about his life. And he said to me that he, he was a Catholic. And so I, I explained to him what the gospel is. I took a piece of paper and in order to make it clear to him, I put a cross there and I put a few arrows to, to help him understand that our sin was placed upon Christ and Christ's righteousness was given to us. And by faith, by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's how we are saved. And, you know, he was very sober about this. And uh, I remember him, he, he could not really sit still. And I said, after I gave him the gospel, I said to him, so wh what do you think? And he said, that's shocking. And I said, what do you mean it's shocking? And he said, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. Now, he was in his teens. And I was convicted about the fact that he was shocked about the gospel message. He was overwhelmed by the gospel message. But how many times you and I, who have been Christians for a very long time, it, the gospel no longer shocks us. We become familiar with the truth that is contained in the gospel message. And this text, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, is one of those texts in the Bible that should shock us about what really took place in the life of Christ in order for you and I to be able, just like our sister, to have a testimony declaring what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. And so in this verse, there are three things I want you to see. I want you to see the abundant riches of Christ, the self-imposed poverty of Christ, and finally, the abundant riches of the saints. The saints being those of us who are in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
those of us who are united with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we see in our text today. So first of all, we read in verse 9 at the beginning, For ye know, Paul speaking to Christians saying, For you know, for you are certain about this. You are not ignorant of this. Of what? Of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are not ignorant of the divine favor that was bestowed upon you, Corinthians. You're not ignorant of these things. You know it with certainty. And likewise, I would like to say to you, believer, you know, if you're a believer, of the grace that was bestowed upon you. You are certain. You know about this, about the divine favor, about God plucking you from the pit of despair, plucking you from sin and lifting you up. You know about this grace, the Apostle Paul says. And he explains further of this grace. What is that grace? Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Let's pause there for a moment. Though Christ was rich. Now, immediately what comes to your mind is monetary, money. It doesn't mean that. This is not talking about material wealth. This is not talking about money. But what is it talking about? Paul is saying to them, you know about the riches of Christ before he took on flesh and became a man. You know about the riches of Christ before the existence, before the creation of the world. Paul here is referring to the pre-existence of Christ. Christ before the foundation of the world. And I want us to look at that a few, uh, a few aspects of that in our text today. The riches of Christ, not material wealth, not in monetary terms, but the divinity of Christ. His pre-existence before he became a man. This is one aspect of the life of Christ which many of us do not like to get into because we think it's too lofty, the divinity of Christ. Let me say this to you. You would not be saved today if it was not because of the divinity of Christ, because of the deity of Christ. This is something that you and I must try to grasp we will never be able to fully comprehend everything about the Lord Jesus Christ. But by the grace of God, we can apprehend, we can pursue the knowledge of Christ. And by the riches of Christ, Paul is referring to Christ who was the creator. Christ who created this world. Christ who existed before the foundation of the world. He always existed. He never had a beginning. Christ never had a beginning. He was always there. Always there. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That's what John tells us. He's the creator. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. The riches of Christ, the creator. Not only that, not only is he a creator, he's a sustainer of all things. He's a sustainer of your body right now. Every cell in your body right now that is replicating, all the blood that is flowing through your veins right now, 
every single heartbeat right now. It is Christ Himself sustaining it. And at any moment, He could stop it. All sovereign, all sufficient Christ. Not only that, He is all powerful. All-powerful. More than that, he's omniscient. He knows all things. And Paul is saying, Corinthians, the riches of Christ, his omniscience, his omnipotence, all-powerful, all-knowing. By the way, he's the author of life as well. The Bible says he's the prince of life. The prince of life. You have life today because Christ has given you life and is giving you life. More than that, he's sovereign. He rules over all things. Sometimes I will, I would like to remind politicians of this. He is sovereign. You are not. Humble yourself. You know, there is this disease that, that nowadays that you, that I've, I've kind of called Nebuchadnezzar Ditis. It's this disease that, that world leaders have whereby they think they are gods. And sometimes we ourselves act this way. We are not. We are puny little human being under a sovereign God. And Jesus Christ is sovereign. And Paul is telling them, guys, I want you to live a life of sacrifice. Look at how high Jesus Christ is. Look at his divinity. Look at his deity. Look at his sovereignty. Look at all of these things that Christ is. Look at the riches of who Jesus Christ is. And when you have, I want you to see how he self-imposed upon himself poverty. How he became poor. You will never be able to understand how Christ became poor until you actually see the riches of his deity. I am reminded of Christ in this Trinitarian council. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Perfect love. Perfect peace. Perfect joy. And yet... He became poor. For you, by the way, for you adults and for your children as well. And so Paul says, though Christ was rich, though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. In fact, I would like you to, to make a note on this word rich. When you study this word rich, it's actually more than just Christ being rich in these things. It actually means Christ being abundantly rich in these things. And in fact, if you look in, uh, very interesting, if you look in verse 1 of chapter 8, we read this in verse 2. Oh, let me read verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do, we do you with of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. Paul uses that word abundance. And notice again in verse 7. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and in utterance 
and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. The word abound, three times there in the text. And now Paul, speaking about the riches of Christ, says that his riches is abounding. So think about the abounding riches of Christ. And when you have beheld the abounding riches of Christ, now look at how he became poor on your behalf. And let's look at that right now. So we've seen the abundant riches of Christ, and there's much more to say about this. When I was writing the discipleship lesson, all of them are there. All the attributes of Christ are there. You can, you can read it. And now we look at the self-imposed poverty of Christ. The self-imposed poverty of Christ. In light of his riches, now we see his poverty. One of my friends, some of your friends too, Shubs, we call him. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me mentioning him. We were in the car recently. And he's one that we've been trying to evangelize for a long time. And he understands the gospel. But just recently we were in the car and he said to me, John, and to my brother who was driving, he said, I just cannot accept Christianity, the gospel. And I said, but why, why? He said, because are you telling me that, that God actually took on flesh? Are you telling me that he took on a human body? To him, that was humiliating. Why would God do that, John? Why would God have a human hands? Why would he have a human body? You know, to someone who is Muslim, you know, they have, they struggle with that. Why would God, who is divine and transcendent, why would he humiliate himself, take on a human body like you and I? Why would he do that? And in his mind, it, that, that's the stumbling block in his mind. Why would God do that? And there is a simple answer to that. Because he loves you. It's because he loves you. He had to become man in order to die for man. And there in our text, Jesus Christ became poor in the fact that he took on flesh. Turn to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 very quickly. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. The Apostle Paul writes to the Galatians, and he says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of woman, made under the law. There it is. At the right time, in the fullness of time, God sent forth Jesus Christ, born of woman. Let that sink in for a bit. God, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, fully divine, Truly God, born of woman. By the way, for your sake. But we'll get to that point in a moment. Jesus Christ, born of woman. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. 
a few pages after. Philippians chapter 2. We read from verse 5. Paul calling upon the Philippians to live a life of humility. And in order to call upon them to live a life of humility, he calls upon them to behold the humility of Christ. And we read from verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, Fought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. As we have beheld the riches of Christ with regards to his deity, now we read all of a sudden of Christ who became poor by taking on the form of a servant, by taking on the form of a slave. He became a man. And that's why Paul is saying to them, guys, look at how Christ sacrificed. You know, sometimes we think, we think that the sufferings of Christ began at the cross. That's not true. The sufferings of Christ began at his incarnation when God became man. That was humiliation. Can you imagine Christ in the throne above being born in a manger? How humiliating. Can you imagine the queen leaving Windsor Castle and whatever castle she's got coming to your house, knocking on these doors and says, hey, I've relinquished all my property, all my riches. I've come to be your maid. I've come to be your servant. Can you imagine the queen doing that? You'd be like, queen, that's humiliating. But much more, how humiliating it is for Christ, who is very God, co-equal with God, to become man, become a slave, live under the law, born of a woman, in order to serve you. He came to serve, not to be served, the Bible says. I was reading a book recently, yesterday, by Thomas Watson, and it says, what a scene, what a scene for the God of heaven, to humble himself, and yet for sinners to exalt themselves. That's a disturbing scene. And with regards to the humanity of Christ, with regards to Christ being born of a woman, we read in the Bible of how of his birth, and more than that, the God who created you and I, became a man, and, and the Bible says that he grew up. He grew up. Not just that, he grew up in wisdom. 
the one who knows all things, the one who, who does not need to learn anything because he knows all things, yet we read in the Bible that he grew in wisdom. How can that be? That the God of the universe will grow in wisdom. And yet he did because he had to become a man on your behalf and my behalf in order to save us from our sins. More than that, him who is sovereign over the enemy, he's got the enemy on a leash. He's sovereign over Satan, and yet he became a man and was tempted by the devil. He was weary. The one who created this body of yours and my body took on a human body and was weary. He was hungry and thirsty. And it's interesting, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, he's the living water. That's what the gospel says, right? He's a living water. Come and drink. And yet the Son of Man was thirsty. He was thirsty. But more than that, the God who created the, this world, created the trees, created the wood, was crucified on a piece of wood. Was crucified on what he, he, he himself created. How humiliating. And the Apostle Paul wants the Corinthians to realize, guys, look at the riches of Christ. And in light of the riches of Christ, look at how he became poor. You know, when you read the Gospels, when you read the Gospel according to John or any of the Gospel that you, um, that you read, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, truly read it and feel, feel the life of Christ. Feel the, the, the humiliation of Christ on your behalf. If you want to grow in humility, I encourage you, read about the self-abasing, the self-emptying, the self-imposed poverty of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we see in our text. The self-imposed poverty of Christ. I would like us to read this text again, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. Let's get back to this text. I would encourage you to read this text and meditate on it. Meditate on it at home. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. He did it for you. Children, he did it for you. Those on the live stream, he did it for you. Jesus Christ humiliated himself for you. For you. That's why on the street in Oxford, when we go and do street preaching evangelism, that's what we say to the people. For you. For you, people of Oxford. For you, people of Swindon. Christ humiliated himself for you. Even though they laugh at us, 
We have to say for you, individually for you, Jesus Christ did it. For you, for your sake, he became poor. Why? So that you might become rich in him. And that's not, again, that's not talking about material wealth. Spiritually rich in Christ. I love the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with a few spiritual blessings. All spiritual blessings. Every spiritual blessings. In fact, why don't you turn there? Ephesians chapter 1. There's a few spiritual blessings that are written in uh, chapter 1 of Ephesians. Because of the the self-imposed poverty of Christ, because of the humiliation of Christ in coming down on earth, taking on the form of a servant, taking on the form of a slave, living under the law, and then dying on the cross on your behalf and my behalf, he did all of that so that we might become rich in him. And in Ephesians chapter 1, we see those riches. Look in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does that sound familiar? First Peter chapter 1, as we saw this morning. It's like Paul is praising. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places according as he have chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto adoption. That's one spiritual blessing. You've been adopted in the beloved. I like to picture this in my mind. God the judge. And on the basis of the work of Christ alone, on the basis of the full work, complete work of Christ alone, he says, you are justified in my sight. I have declared you righteous. But then the judge says to you, I'm going to adopt you as well. I'm going to not just be your judge, I'm going to be your father. So, come home with me. That's what God does for you and I today if you're in Christ. Not only is he the judge that justifies you in his sight on the basis of the work of Christ alone, he also says, come home with me. Now you're my child. I have adopted you now. And that's one of those riches that we found in Christ. Adoption. More than that, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Verse 6 to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. We are accepted in Christ. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption. He bought us from the slave market of sin. He bought us. That's one spiritual blessing. Through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. We have forgiveness of sin. If you confess your sin to God, He's faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. And then we read at the end of verse 7, According to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. 
that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. And we know in First Peter of this inheritance, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. The riches of Christ. And why do you have all these riches that are found in Christ? Because of the poverty. The self-imposed poverty of Christ. Again, for you, if you're not a Christian today, for you, Christ humiliated himself. For you, he emptied himself. Very God, he clothed himself. He clothed himself with the rags of this earth. I'm reminded of a quote by Thomas Watson, Jesus Christ, who had a robe of glory, took on the rags of the earth. And he did it for you. And you have to respond to that. You have to respond to that. And we say to the children every time, Sunday school, children, we're telling you about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're telling you about the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did on your behalf. But this is not enough. You have to respond to the gospel message. You have to respond to what Christ has done for you. In light of the self-emptying of Christ, you need to respond to it. And not to respond to what Christ did for you is to reject him. Is to reject him. And I do not know how long you have, how long you've got. But a time is coming when you're going to breathe your last breath. And you cannot say to God, I do not hear the message. Some of you perhaps are saying, as I read in a sermon by William C. Burns, many of you say, not yet, not yet. Some of you young people are saying, not yet, not yet. It's not the right time. Let me, let me, let me indulge myself a little bit more in the pleasure of this world, which by the way is temporary. You say, not yet. Whether young or old, salvation must come to you today. Today is the day of salvation. And for you believers, you and I have been called to live a life of sacrifice. Sacrificial living must mark us. Sacrificial living. And what will encourage you and I, what should propel you and I to live a sacrificial life is for you and I to behold the riches of Christ and how in light of his riches, he became poor. He emptied himself. And when you and I, we are beholding by faith, we're looking to the scriptures, looking at the gospels and see how Christ emptied himself by being born of a woman, living a perfect life under the law. He learned obedience, the book of Hebrews says, and suffered and died. 
on your behalf and my behalf, when we look at the sacrifice of Christ, that must affect our emotion and drive our will. And more than that, I hope that this aspect of our Lord Jesus Christ does overwhelm you. You know, let me say this to you believers, you are united with Christ. Like really, actually united with Christ in a real sense. And that means you're in union with Him. The Bible constantly says, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And that simply means you're in union with Him, which means wherever you go, Christ is there. You will never be disunited with Christ. Never. The only way you'll be disunited with Christ is if Christ ceases to be. And Christ will never cease to be. Therefore, you will always be with Christ. And the question is, are you going to drag Christ in your sin? Or are you going to drag him with you in sacrificial living? So when we look at the self-emptying of Christ, his poverty, that should drive us to sacrificial living. And that's what the Lord has put on my heart as I was reading this verse and I hope, now those of you who are not Christians, that you will respond to what Christ has done on your behalf. You know, I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to come to Christ. I'm telling you to come to Christ. The Bible does not encourage you to come, tells you to come, commands you to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that includes you children. I know you're listening. That includes you. I'm preaching to you as well. You must come to Christ. Whether you're young, whether you're a child or not, you must come to Christ. Come to Him. He's a loving Savior. He is willing to save. He's willing to save you. If you simply look to Him, by faith, look to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will save you. It's a promise. And for you, believer, be overwhelmed again. Be shocked again by the gospel message. Amen? Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there is a joy in my heart as I think about the riches of Christ And I'm convicted, Lord, how many times I don't really consider that. Consider the riches of Christ prior to the foundation of the world. This Christ, the Son of God, whom you loved, whom you said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Oh, Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the love that you have put on display through him toward us. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for obeying your Father and being willing to humiliate yourself by being born of a woman, taking on flesh, living a perfect life, a life of obedience under the law, in order that we might be set free from the curse of the law, 
We thank you for being willing to go to the cross and suffer on our behalf and truly suffer, physically suffer, mentally suffer on our behalf. And we are grateful and thankful for that. Forgive us for the many times where we do not, we do not really consider the humiliation that you went through. Oh, I pray you would help us as your people to be shocked again, to be overwhelmed again of the reality of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. Oh, great God of highest heaven, we pray for the unbeliever here tonight, for the unbeliever who is listening on the live stream, for the children here tonight. We do pray, Father, that you would soften their heart that they would respond to the gospel message that our hope has been declared clearly tonight. Father, I pray that they would see their need for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, that they would feel uncomfortable in their sin and in feeling uncomfortable in their sin, that they would not run out of this place, but instead they would run to Christ, the only one who can save, the only one that can rescue them from the penalty of their sin. Oh, great God, we're so thankful that there is still power in the blood, that the blood still cleanses us of sin. So I do pray for your people, those who are in Christ. I do ask you that our love for Christ, as we have beheld him tonight, would increase all the more, that we would love Christ more today than we did yesterday that we would live a life of sacrifice, uh, sacrifice more this week than we did, than we did last week. Oh, help us to be humble like the Son Jesus Christ was. Oh, may you please increase humility in us. May you crush pride as we look at how Christ humbled himself for us. We're so thankful and grateful for this gathering. May you help us now as we continue this service. In Christ's name I pray and for his sake.